Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, April the 4th. This week's podcast focuses on a research article published online on Wednesday, April the 2nd, suggesting that a widely used HIV drug, Abacavir, could be associated with an increased risk of heart attack. More on that in a moment. Before that, some highlights from the issue of The Lancet dated April the 5th to the 11th. Intimate partner violence. A difficult topic to discuss, let alone research. But some striking findings from the WHO multi-country study, led by Claudia Garcia-Moreno and colleagues. Over 25,000 women from a variety of low- and middle-income countries and Japan were interviewed. Women who had ever experienced sexual and or physical violence often had serious adverse health outcomes, difficulties in walking, dizziness, memory loss, or vaginal discharge, and these poor health outcomes often lasted a long time after the violent act or acts had been perpetrated. Authors of the article and the accompanying comment call for a better understanding and research agenda in this field to make sexual and physical violence against women a much greater public health priority. Some more upbeat news, encouraging signs that a vaccine against rotavirus, rotavirus causes a severe gastrointestinal problem in many developing countries, could be effective for up to two years when given to infants in the first two years of life. Also in research, the controversial area of screening for neuroblastoma. Japanese research suggests that widespread screening done in that country over the past two decades has had a significant effect in reducing neuroblastoma mortality. Although a linked comment urges caution, as one problem with screening is that it can detect the kind of neuroblastoma in infants that will normally disappear by itself, thereby not requiring intervention. This week's seminar takes a close look at premenstrual syndrome, and in two comments, The Lancet introduces two new partnerships, one with the Institute of Health Metrics in Seattle, calling for the greater monitoring and scientific rigour in the area of global health, and another partnership with University College London here in the UK, or UCL, to form a commission to research and study the health effects in relation to climate change. But news this week that the widely used HIV drug Abagavir could be associated with an increased risk of heart attack. We published this study online on Wednesday, April the 2nd. Earlier I spoke to one of the authors of this study, Professor Jens Lundgren from the University of Copenhagen in Denmark, and apologies for the less than brilliant quality of the telephone line. Professor Lundgren, can you just tell us a little bit about these drugs first of all and, and how you came to come to study them and investigate this possibility of increased heart attack risk? Both drugs are used to suppress non-replication. Uh, they have been developed in the 1990s. Fidanacine is less frequently used now as opposed to Abacavir, which is part of the triple drug regimen and used by around 20 to 25% of, of patients on treatment in the developed uh, world. The reason why we came to study them was that we have been studying in DAD uh, the association between uh, exposure to another drug class called the protease inhibitor and an altered risk of myocardial infarction. And in the publication last year in the American Journal of Medicine, we found that such an association actually existed. In those analyses, we actually identified that there could well be contributions from another drug class, uh, namely the nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors. The consequence of that, we formulated a hypothesis that two of those drugs, the so-called uh, thymidine analogs, cytovidine and stavidine, we thought that those were the two drugs which were explaining this because both drugs are associated with dyslipidemia and with increased glucose levels and avert diabetes, both of those intermediate uh, for an increased risk of cardiovascular disease. 
I should explain, DAD is, as you said, that is the main study published in the New England Journal, which identified an increased coronary risk, but among the protease inhibitor drug class. In this study, you've actually, if you like, done sub-analysis, haven't you, of data from that original DAD study. Can you just comment on how you did that? The DAD study is a continuous study that accrues additional follow-up information and is still in existence to determine the longer-term adverse outcomes from exposure to antiretroviral treatment. So the analysis that we're reporting on in Lancet was follow-up until the 1st of February 2007. As the study progresses, we get more and more power to analyze individual drugs. And as a matter of fact, it is the first time that we have publicly announced data from analysis of individual drugs in Lancet. And it's important, presumably, because particularly, and we are talking about wealthier countries where these drugs are more widely available, it's relevant because once people are diagnosed with HIV and are prescribed combination treatment of antiretrovirals, they're going to stay on these drugs for many, many years. So, number one, we need long-term follow-up on these drugs to look at their, not just their efficacy, but obviously their long-term safety as well. And secondly, And I guess this is important. If you have a population of people using these drugs who are getting older, you need to be very careful about how you control for their natural risk of age-related cardiovascular disease anyway. That is absolutely correct. These drugs do not lead to eradication of the the infection and therefore has to be continued for, for life. And indeed, that results in that people are getting older and therefore, as a consequence, get the age-related uh, diseases that uh, the rest of the population will get. And that's why these uh, long-term cohort studies are tremendously important. Most of the efficacy trials in HIV have a duration of one to two years, which is sufficient to analyze and detect efficacy but by no means are sufficient to uh, analyse long-term safety problems. Let's just focus on the results that you got from this study. And from what you said at the outset, they're slightly surprising. You were looking possibly for an increased risk in some of the other drugs, some of the derivative drugs, but what you actually found was an increased cardiovascular risk, particularly among use of abacavir, which is a widely used nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitor, and to a lesser extent didanosine. What type of risk are we looking at? There's obviously a baseline cardiovascular risk, so there's an overall risk and then a relative risk on top of that. And presumably that, that also relates to individual patients' own cardiovascular risk profile. Very important point that we, for, if we focus on, on uh, Abacavir, which for whom we have the strongest data of the two, the analysis that we did suggested a 90% increased risk in relative terms. But in absolute terms, a 90% increased uh, risk in relative terms will really only translate into something that is clinically important in patients who have a high underlying the cardiovascular risk. Our analysis identified and defined a high underlying risk with as a more than 20% 10-year cardiovascular risk. And that essentially then characterized older men, in particular men who are smoking or have diabetes or hypertension. That's the subgroup. There was only 6% in the cohort who fulfilled that high-risk underlying risk definition. And, and for those, that's where we are are most concerned from an absolute point of view and therefore from a clinical implication point of view of the findings. Whilst I should also say we have published a comment uh, alongside this article and we also have a correspondence letter in response from GlaxoSmithKline who are the pharmaceutical company who manufacture Abacavir. So this is a very open process at this stage. Do you have any views uh, on the clinical implications at this stage or do we need longer term follow-up and replication of these results?
Well, it seems like we and the editorial agree on that in patients who have a high underlying risk, these are the patients to consider if there is other more safe alternatives, whether they should be switched away from a bacteria because of the high increase in absolute risk. On the other hand, for people with a lower underlying risk, the more safe recommendation is to defer that discussion until more information from other studies have accrued. Thank you. And that's important, I think, because one sometimes the interpretation of these early results can be this drug is dangerous and should be taken off the market. We're not saying that at all. We're just saying we should, be, we should be aware of this increased risk among this subpopulation of people. That's very important. We recognize, if anybody, that uh, HIV people need to continue these, this treatment for life. And no drugs that has ever been discovered is without side effects. So the important thing here is to understand what are actually the side effect profile, because then we can evaluate as well the benefits as well as the risks. And that is what medicine is all about, is to be able to evaluate both benefit and risk. And for that we need a complete understanding of benefits and risk, and that's what we're trying to do. Professor Lundgren, thank you very much indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're very welcome. Professor Jens Lundgren, and look out for the linked comment from American commentators and a letter we have published simultaneously from the manufacturers of Abacavir, GlaxoSmithKline. Well, that concludes this week's podcast. Many thanks for listening. See you next week.